we got plenty more to cover here. We're going to talk about the flammability. We're actually going to show some videos of what it takes to ignite A2O refrigerants, which I think for me, that just sends it all home. Like I don't have any issues with the flammability part of it at all personally. Um, so stick around for that. Um, anyway, so we're going to keep going. We're going to talk about flammability and we're going to do a little handling and storage and talk about some of the codes and then answer some of the many questions we have here, which we do appreciate. Okay. So unlike the previous transitions, you know, this is different because we're going to a mildly flammable refrigerant. So why don't you tell us Don, a little bit about that and what that really means and the full scoop here. And so it's a third party test. And as you saw earlier, um, it, 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 then, that information then goes to ASHRAE and they classified it for the toxicity and the flammability. We're just talking about flammability here. So for years, you had a class one, class two and class three. OK, class one is what we're all used to. Class two would be an example of one like 410A. Yeah, exactly. R22, 410A, any refrigerant that we used before prior to this new step that we're taking now with the A2Ls. Yeah. Uh, two would be an example, 152A. We don't see that a lot in refrigeration, but you do see it like in solvents and automobile things and like that. And, and, and then you have three, which is your propane, your butanes, totally different classification. The reason I left 2L out is there was no 2L classification all that long ago like less than mm -hmm. right around 10 years ago. And the reason for that is, is because this flame was barely, and I'll show that we'll show the testing here a little right. bit, barely broke that 90 degree that we've used for years and has to do with the size of the vial that they use. And I was there and we went through this whole thing this week, by the way. And uh, basically, and I saw the 90 degree, what they use and everything, but it was so low, they had to reclassify it. It's not a two. And uh, it's certainly not a one, but it's not much different than a one. But the right. reason I like bringing that up is, is because a lot of people confuse these new A2Ls to A3s with with propane in it. And there's and they're they're very not even A2Ls. Close. Yeah, A2Ls are much closer to an A1 than they are an A3. Okay, just it's apples to oranges basically. Okay, so you can see the the uh, the, the chart on the on there the toxicity and the flammability. I lost that slide there. There we go. And if you click it one more time, so you see the toxicities, the A is the, the non-toxic. I like to say low toxicity because quite honestly, even with CO2, enough parts per million in a closed area without ventilation will kill you. It's actually like 15,000 parts per million. You get to the B, then we're talking about toxic, okay? B2Ls would be like ammonia, okay? And when they classified A2Ls, by the way, B, ammonia used to be a B2. Well, when they get classified an A2L, they said, ammonia folks looked at that A2L and said, well, if they're an A2L, then we should be a B2L because it's right. not all yeah. that flammable either, but it's toxic. So that got moved. It was originally a B2 and the A2Ls, and you can see that. So this is the flammability test that they actually did where I where I was just at, at the uh, at the Discovery Hub there in Delaware. Um, so they at the top, you can see the blue line. They're adding air. They're adding refrigerant. They're getting the right concentration. It's a corked flask, a glass flask. Okay. They hit the ignition, that electrode at the bottom of that. And then they, before that all happens, they let that stir at the bottom go for about five minutes to get a nice blend. Okay. So it's not a little bit to air over here, a little bit of friction mm -hmm. here. They're looking for that perfect concentration and then they ignite it. The job here is to, if it stays inside that V or that 90 degrees, okay, that is considered a A1 if it's less than that 90 degrees, okay? Less than 90 degrees. And we'll get more into that in the next slide or so. But that's the actual test in, a, in, a, in an animated uh, picture of that, what it looks like. Uh, the next slide or two are going to actually show photos from the booth that I just came from, we just came from. Excellent. So let me just clear, let me just summarize it. So we are here right now. Yes. 410A is here and we're moving to here on the ASHRAE 34 designation, propane is up here. When I think of flammability, I think of something like propane, right? Yes. Oh, wait, is, flame, is, is that where propane is? Is it an A3 or Yes, A3? it is A3, okay. correct. Yes, no, yes, right. yes. Okay, yeah, right. it's K, yep, yep. And it's, it's highly flammable. This, I kind of tweaked this yesterday. I, I had a large layover for about eight hours in the airports because of storms yesterday, but back up one, if you would, please. Yep. One there. So you can see, uh, go forward. It must be a little bit of a delay. 
I need the first one that just shows the teeter-totter flat right there. So that this one, is 410A. Yeah. It's, 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 it, we're teetering on 2088 GWP. Half of it's R32, as we talked about. The other half is that R125, that fire deterrent or that cooling effect on that R32. Now, watch the orange ball. Again, the charts to the right. We're talking about flammability, toxicity. The, the, as it goes up, the number goes higher, the higher the flammability. To the left, if we move from an A and B, we've got toxicity. Now, when we lower that GWP, and I'm using the example 454B, now we remove that R125. Now we went to the GWP down to 466 from 2088. But we still have R32 in there. We've added that 1234YF. Unfortunately, when you re lo lower that GWP, there's only so many molecules on the face of the earth, as the chemist will tell you. There's no magic molecule that will not make that uh, mm -hmm. considered an A1 classification. That's that's the issue right there, okay? In order to, to appease the EPA or the AIM Act, we have to lower that GWP. Unfortunately, that puts us into a new classification, A2L, but it's a lot closer. So it's a balancing act, if you will, to make sure we're within the lines of everyone, okay? Right. So if we go right. to the, yeah. So again, that's ASHRAE standard 34. This is the actual testing. Uh, the classification less than 90 degrees indicates no flame propagation. An A2L classification means that it exceeds greater than 90 degrees perimeter, but the flame spread is very, very slow. Okay. So this is, when you're saying the 90 degrees, we're talking about this, what I just circled, right? This angle here. Yeah, it's that V okay. there. And they're gotcha. looking for that, the velocity, how fast, the heat of combustion, all those things. But this is just the flammability test, the velocity of it is what they're looking at right here. And that's a blow up of that. I got it. So I've seen these pictures a ton of times uh, on the right, yeah. but I didn't know what it was actually. I know it's talking about the flame spread, but I've never seen it in the in the container. Yeah. So, gotcha. yeah. And the, yeah. So I was actually in that chamber this week and then we went in there with uh, Patrick uh, uh, is the is the head of all this. And you might have seen one of some videos, too. And I encouraged him to do more. The actual chambers, we want to be in a safe environment when we test these refrigerants and things. Uh, I wouldn't encourage him to go out and do these kind of things in your backyard or those kind of things. But you get the gist. This is an animation picture yeah. of what we're actually going to see here in the next slide or two. So this is what this what, A1, this would be like 410A, what 410A would look like, right? Yeah. This so this is, is a. These are actual pictures now. This is the lights out in the chambers I was discussing. This is a class A1 refrigerant. We stay inside that V or that 90 degrees, hey, life's good. The world we live in, that's normal, okay? We stay inside that. Now, if you click it once, you'll see what they saw the day when they tested the A2Ls. I think there's a little delay so, there. You should see it now. Yeah, it's actually got A3s on it. We need to go back one. Just give it a sec. It's for some reason it's lagging a little bit. So do you still see the A3s? I do. Let me do this. There it is. There you go. So now you'll see that A2L at the bottom of that. Mm -hmm. You can see how, and I don't want to, here's what I want to do. This is what I do for every class. I want to remove the fear mongering. But yet it's a it's a tightrope. I want to make I don't want to play this down where hey, just dump it anywhere. It's not that flammable. That's not what I'm trying to say. But you can see how minimal it was minimal enough to make a completely new classification for our industry. Okay. That's right. how minimal it was. They never saw this before. So now they're scratching their head, like, well, it's not an A1. And we've used this for how many years, this testing. And they told me what year it was that, that, that they used this template, if you will. And I can't recall it on my, but it goes long ways back generations ago of this te flammability testing okay so now you see how it broke and these aren't these aren't messed around with okay in fact i don't have a graph of an a2 but if you were to look at an a2 just visualize that at like the three and nine position if you will okay that's where that would be now if you Got it. look it forward so this just before we go forward this this little yeah. bit here i'm circling this here i don't know if it's showing up on your end down but just that little bit is what pushes it over to the to the A2L, right? So absolutely. That so is, this is what I think of when I think of flammability. This is like big yeah. explosion here. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of people's vision is right now. Contractors, mm -hmm. wholesalers. I speak to a lot of people like you do. Um, it's no fault of theirs. There's just a lot of people. Unfortunately, what really I think drives a little bit of this is is when we throw in flammability refrigerants all in one bucket. 
That's where the confusion mm-hmm. starts. I see podcasts. Oh, we're going to talk about flammable refrigerants. Well, then they don't separate those two. They don't. It's not apples to apples. Completely different. You can see this A3 right here. That's a really, really exciting day at the testing labs when they test the A3s. <laughs> okay, you can see that's a big. That's that's a that's a lot of excitement there. I also put in the class of refrigeration refrigerant to the left hand side. Okay, uh, one non-flammable examples would be R22, 410A. Two L's, lower flammability. Examples I put in there were 454B and R32. And then we got flammable 152A, which, again, you don't really see it in refrigerants that much. And then you have three higher flammability R290, okay? So it's based on the spread of the 90 degrees as well as the speed at which the flame spreads. That defines a degree of flammability, period. Okay. Yeah, Anything I, greater than 90 degrees, it's considered flammable. It's just how flammable is it? Hence the letter L, low flame propagation. Okay. Got it. Uh, in layman's it. terms, I put at the bottom, compared to propane, you need more of an A2L refrigerant to achieve flammable mix. And it's harder to ignite when it's burning. The flame travels much slower. And uh, we'll look at that on the next slide. Okay. I also put an A1 or an A2L picture at the bottom of this A3. I don't know if you'll skip by it or not, but there it is. There you I go. did this yesterday because I, I didn't have a slide that really shows actual side-by-side side for this. I do with A1s, but I wanted to bring that A2L up there. Here's what we're talking about, gang. That is the that is a great visual because those are actual still photos of the actual testing of in the lab. That's what it looks like. That is the difference between hydrocarbons and A2L refrigerants, okay? Yeah, that kind of says it all for me. It, it brings it home for me for sure, so. Yeah. And then the last, uh, I think there's, we're going to talk about this and then one more slide and then we'll play the video showing the guy trying to light the yeah, A2Ls. Yeah. How about that? So was asked to speak at uh, uh, Chuck and I and and uh, and Jason Obritz from, um, from ESCO, uh, good friends of mine, uh, nice guys, very knowledgeable people. Um, and uh, and I was asked to do a, a three-person presentation. Uh, uh, panel, if you will, from Brian Orr's symposium last year. And I was trying to think, man, I've only got 15 minutes out of this 45 minutes. What do you really want to get across to them? You're going to be talking about the flammability, you know, the contractor part of it. Well, you're, you're not a chemical scientist. So I made this slide up the night before in the hotel and it's been spread around LinkedIn and everywhere else. There are no hydrocarbons in ATL refrigerants, period. Please share that information with everyone because there's still a lot of chatter online. I see it all the time. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, there's only so many, you know, you can only fight so many battles. Yeah. This is somewhat generic. I made this as I was telling Tony prior to the show that the box is on the bottom of it. I'm not a, a graphic artist or anything like that. But the LFL is crucial in flammability, that lower flame limit. So in orange, if it if it gets between the UFL, upper flame limit, and the LFL, that's the only area that it can be ignited. Okay, that's the concentration, that perfect concentration. The sweet spot is Dr. Chuck. Uh, explained to me earlier this week is right dead center of the UFL and the LFL. Okay. It has to have, but it can be ignited at that LFL mark. The lower that number, the higher flammability is. I'm not beating up propane by no means here. Okay. I'm just giving you a comparison because there's so misconception about misconception about the hydrocarbons Mm -hmm. in the A12s. Simply put outside the range UFL or the LFL, it cannot ignite. There's either too much air there's too much uh, refrigerant or, you know, either way, but that concentration has to be right. And this video I edited, but it really, really shows a, a, a really, it explains it much better than I can. So who want to watch this? Yeah, we'll watch a few minutes of this for sure. Let's check this yeah. out. And those listening, if you can't hear it, let me know. Sometimes when we stream A key videos. parameter in determining the actual risk of a gas to ignite is the mixture reaching its flammability limits in air. The lower flammability limit is important as you need to have enough gas mixed with air in order for it to reach its flammable concentrations to ignite and burn. So if during a leak situation, the leak rate and the quantity released is large enough that it surpasses the lower flammability limit, flammable concentrations can form. Propane is a commonly used low GWP refrigerant in small refrigerated cabinets, but its lower flammability limit is only 2% propane by volume in air. 
This means that for even small charge sizes, flammable layers can form and actually ignite and burn. You typically need four times more A2Ls to reach flammable concentrations, as compared to A3s such as propane. Hence, A2Ls are inherently safer as you're less likely to form flammable concentrations. This means much higher quantities of low GWP A2L refrigerants are necessary just to be flammable, which means there are a number of leak scenarios for these A2Ls that would not even result in any consequential flammable volumes. Another key parameter in determining whether a mixture actually ignites or doesn't ignite is the minimum ignition energy, or the MIE. The minimum ignition energy is important as most electrical components actually can produce electrical sparks under normal operation, unless they're specifically designed to actually avoid that. If the energy of the spark or the electrical discharge is higher than the minimum ignition energy, then in a specific leak scenario, you can actually ignite the mixture if flammable concentrations are reached. Propane has a minimum ignition energy of just 0.25 millijoules which means that even a weak discharge, static discharge, say from your clothing, can actually exceed this value and potentially cause an ignition event. To give you an idea of what millijoules are, so say for example in the wintertime, I'm actually shuffling my feet on the carpet and I actually touch a door handle and I actually shock myself, that value is actually 20 millijoules or almost 100 times higher than the energy necessary to ignite propane. In comparison, A2L refrigerants have minimum ignition values 2,000 times higher than that of propane, meaning much higher energy sources are required in order to obtain ignition. This also means that many commonly used electronic components can be used safely with Optium XL refrigerants. The severity of an accidental ignition can be determined by many factors, such as reactivity, for example, how fast the flame burns, or burning velocity, as well as combustion energy. The higher the gas's reactivity and combustion energy, the larger the potential impact the accident can have on the surrounding area. So that's propane. To put that into perspective, the combustion energy of Optian XL20 is a... So I just want to make sure, so that blue thing, that's the flame that's coming off, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah approximately five times lower than that of propane. It looks propane. almost like smoke. In addition, it's significantly yeah. less reactive than propane, where its burning velocity is actually 30 times slower. Once we leave that ignition, Tony, you're adding more air, it puts itself out, basically. Right. It's not the right concentration. I think that was it for this video, right? Okay, yep, I believe so. Okay, that is excellent information. And then we're gonna look at one more video of the, 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 guy, the famous guy from Australia lighting the refrigerant video. Hold on a second here. This, is, this to me really says uh, so much about it. Um, Open our blowtorch tap. We've got nice flow of refrigerant coming out. So that's an A2L. So he's got three tanks there, right? An A1, A2L, which he's on right now. And then he's gonna look at an A3. So an A2L would be like the 454B, or the R32. I think specifically it's 123YF he's got in there. I'm not really sure. Um, and then he's, so he's gonna try and light this. You can see how hard it is to light. So. Out of the end of the torch. And I've just got a common flint ignition source commonly found in all workshops. And you can't see really any flame propagating there at all. Isn't flame. If I increase the velocity, I've still got nothing. So as you can see, the class A2L uh, will, not, will not ignite at all. Now the second stage of our demonstration is the HC refrigerant, class A3. So we'll open the liquid valve, open our blowtorch tap, our ignition source, and as you can see, <coughs> it ignites immediately. Okay. Don't try this at home, kids. Yes. That's what I say. Absolutely. That pretty yeah. much sums it up for me. I mean, like, you can't even light this stuff, you know? And, and, and as Don pointed out earlier, it's got to get out of your system in the first place, which doesn't, like, I don't know. 
I guess slow leaks happen every once in a while, but in our industry, it just doesn't happen that that often. So, okay. So um, I think we got some good stuff here. We got tons of questions. Uh, thank you all for watching. You can continue to watch. We're going to go through some questions here. Um, and Heather, if you want to put out my email address, just a reminder, email me uh, directly. I'll get you the certificate of um, attendance. And then we'll also send you some PDFs. We've got a few you know, kind of one page PDF on the particular data we covered here. And also um, some stuff that uh, Chemours has provided, like as far as uh, around the 454B and the A2L, a lot of good guides there. We'll be glad to email you. So, Hayden, do you want to grab a few of these questions here? Yeah, before we go into the chat, you know, Don, when we look at the flammability, what are you seeing from a monitoring perspective, whether it's required by ASHRAE, local codes, you know, traditional building, our mm. Fortune A chiller, you know, you put refrigerant monitors in and we kind of know that, but, but what are you seeing the requirements going towards? Good question. Yeah, so great, great, great question. I'm glad you brought that up. So um, so here's my going to be my explanation. You're going to have three different mitigation uh, strategies, the mitigation one, mitigation two, mitigation three, three being the worst scenario. So the larger the charge, the smaller the square footage, uh, depending on the occupancy of what the building is, you're gonna have all kinds of bells and whistles. I'll start with mitigation one and mitigation two. Mitigation two, uh, for what we're gonna be doing with 454B and those kind of things, you're gonna have a sensor of some sort inside, let's say the air handler of the or the, the furnace itself, that's gonna initiate the blower motor to ventilate that thing out. Again, we're talking about concentration, even however uh, small of a chance possibility is a Flame, we're going to move that through the air and ventilate that. As the uh, flammability or the mitigation strategies exceed, you'll think see things with larger charges, like in commercial, those kind of things, refrigeration. You, you're going to see not only the sniffers, the sensors, if you will, you may see uh, stops like solenoid valves, a pump down, take mm. the refrigerant outside the building, out inside the condenser, uh, you know, different strategies. And when we get into three, we may have, you know, in, 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 in larger aspects, commercial, industrial, you may see things, not may, you will, you may see things like uh, you're going to see ventilation, okay, brought in, fresh air brought in, all kinds of things like that, possibly a sprinkler system, alarms, and those kind of things. So the higher that number gets, the the, the more crucial, the, uh, the the more things you're going to see in the mitigation strategies, but it's a, it's a, you'll have the whole gamut basically. But the world we're talking about today with the 410A or the 454B specifically, R32, whatever, you're going to see uh, very minimal. Uh, those sensors have not been released uh, that I know of as the OEM. We've been asking for them for a long time, but uh, anxious to see what that looks like. Uh, they've been kind of keeping that to their chest a little bit. Uh, it hasn't been released. I'd like to get something on a PowerPoint to give you a visual. I don't have one now or where that's going to pick up as far as parts per million and what have you there. But I do know that I feel comfortable in saying because it seems to be uh, what everybody's saying right now. And what I've heard is you'll it'll sense the refrigerator refrigerant in there depending on the size of the leak it will then activate unlike i put a lot of smoke alarms and, and fire dampers in through the years unlike those the uh, the blower motor is actually going to come on as opposed to shut down so it doesn't spread it's going to come on to to disperse that uh, whatever residual refrigerants out there to make it less likely if possible to ignite in any way shape or form a lot of the things you're going to see like everything they're working on right now whether it's a compressor or systems completely it's all going to be cl uh, classified or tested for a2l qualification things that might have been able to give just enough spark out or things like that but again not a lot changing uh, in the equipment but again it's all about liability we played it down all morning about the chances of this igniting but seriously, it's all about ignition. When we go to the, I, I don't know if we're going to talk about the tanks or not, Tony, when we talked about that, but it, it's all, whoever touches it basically is just put, it's all about liability. Okay. And I'm going to get on a question that uh, Robert uh, Zwick in the chat asked, uh, and my apologies if you covered this, regarding flame spread, what's, a, what's considered a, a slow versus a fast velocity? 10 centimeters less than a second is no flame. Anything above a 10 centimeters per second uh, velocity is considered flammable. Uh, it's just that simple. Uh, but then, and then it goes into classifications as far as, you know, uh, what LFL is and those kind of things, where that is. 
the heat of combustion. I've got other charts. I just didn't, you know, because of time, I didn't have mm-hmm. up there. But I text one to uh, Tony by phone. Uh, just if if someone brought that question in on the MIE or what's it take to ignite it, and MIE is just you know it's the it's the strike or the or the impact of the strike. And whether like we use strikers on our propane grills every day of the week on the weekends and stuff like that. We have if you put A2L refrigerant in place of that that propane, you'd be really disappointed and probably be eaten out. <laughs> Here's that chart, by the way. So the. Yeah, yeah, like the energy it takes to light these things is a lot. I mean, when you're doing it in the test chamber, there's a lot of energy going into the refrigerant, correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So you can see the the, the red arrows on the on the right hand side, uh, and I use this in class. I just didn't bring it up today. Uh, you can see the LFL, higher LFL, lower the risk on the top for the lower flammability. Obviously, minimum ignition, uh, the millijoules. Again, millijoules simply means the strike or the compact, the force, uh, hundred to three hundred. Uh, for uh, 454B, uh, that's the higher, the better. And again, I'm not here to beat up propane, but that seems to be the common misconception that it's propane. Mm-hmm. And then we have burning velocity. Uh, burning velocity simply means the speed at which a flame propagates relative to the unburned gas. A2Ls are a very, very lazy flame. They put themselves out after mm-hmm. they, uh, they eat a combustion. So we're, we're setting good there. Uh, this was something Oops. I showed uh, earlier. Uh, go ahead, Tony. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go for it. I meant to put it on. It's good. Yeah, I just pulled this off the internet. It's not mine. It's just something I saw out there. I thought it was a good visual. Uh, on the left-hand side, you see the tanks of colors we're used to, mm-hmm. okay? Getting away from those, you see everything on the right. We're going to an off-gray. If you don't know that, you, sh- you probably already know this by now. Uh, you'll see the red band around those. Getting away from colors for, for, the, for the easiest answer on that is... The 407A tank there, for example, they didn't want to make 454B or 407A or something, uh, 404- 454B or R32, an off green like that. I shouldn't say R32, but 454B, slightly different green and for fear that somebody would grab the wrong tank. Mm-hmm. So they're going to all gray. If it's a solid off gray color, or off white, if you will, that's an A1 classification. It has a red band around it. That will be an A2L classification. We're also going to have left-handed threads on those also, okay, on, on there. So you're going to have to put an adapter on there and uh, and to convert that over back to right-hand threads. And I know that sounds silly, but again, it's all about liability. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't required to do this, and our competitors weren't required to do this, but they're trying to make it as safe as possible. You saw the red stripe or the red band around the tank, A2L, that should be a flag. If for some reason, you know, Tom or Teresa, the new technicians, because we're putting people in positions sometimes they're not they're not ready for yet because we have such a shortage in our skills right now, right? So if they get put on something because they're 20 calls behind and they're used to just doing PMs, preventive work, if they go to adapt their hoses on that 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 port and it doesn't fit, the hope is they'll call somebody, service manager, whoever, Tony, hey, for some reason, I don't want to sound silly, these gauges, you know, my gauges aren't hooked. Ah, there's a red band around it. Yes, there is. Okay. That's yeah, it. So that's yeah. the reason that's there. And then and then there's going to be a different safety feature on, unlike the pressure disc uh, that's on the tanks now where it blows the whole charge, you'll have a pressure relief valve on there that will, if it gets above temperature, 155, 160 degrees for A2Ls, for 454B, I should say, because it's based on what refrigerant use. It's based on pressure and how that heat, you know, how it pressurizes. But for 454B, unlike like, 410A at 130 or above in your truck, the possibility is there. It's much higher than that, but we always use the number 125, 130. But for 454B, it'll be closer to 160, somewhere there. And the way that's going to work is it's going to open up like all pressure release does. Once we release enough pressure off there where it's safety, then it's going to shut itself down. Again, not that flammable, but another precaution. There's a good visual right there. So you'll have that pressure disc, uh, that rupture disc on the left-hand side for A1s. Uh, that'll release at 125, 130, somewhere thereabouts. Uh, don't not sketch in stone by no means. Okay, in the mm-hmm. south they do have to worry about this. In Ohio, I've never seen it happen. But if you go into southern Florida or southern Alabama, uh, students have told me they've actually had it happen in vans on very hot days. Right, get down to Arizona and things like that. So on the mm-hmm. left hand side now. 
we decommission our old tanks A1s. We usually, you know, hit that ruptured disc, poke a hole in it, remove it, whatever that looks like to you. On these uh, PRs or these uh, spring-loaded relief valves there, uh, the the, uh, the the ASHRAE 34A2L, that will be have to be punctured on the a non-sparking device. Again, safety features on the side of the tank because that's very rigid and you won't be able to poke, poke a hole in that relief valve, okay? Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. So that's just to answer your question. It's really good. So then we move that. Now we move the refrigerant into the OEMs, the equipment manufacturers. Now they're going to put their stuff in place. They're going to you know, have all these markings. You know, ASHRAE UL is how the equipment's made. ASHRAE standards are how the equipment's installed. Okay, UL is for the safety of the compressor or the equipment, right? ASHRAE is how it's installed. That's the safety features of that. So it's all going to be, as it changes hands, it's all going to be kind of a liability issue, make it as safe mm-hmm. as possible, mitigation strategies, those kind of things. Some of it will be internal, some will be external, depending on the application. Good information. So we've got a bunch of questions here. Hayden, why don't I grab one and then you grab one and we'll just go through them here real quick. So uh, Cody asks, uh, will there be building code guidelines for the flammability potential on the new refrigerants? I think we already talked about that um yeah so i think we can go on to the next you, one yeah go yeah. ahead there there will be and 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 i here's what i would recommend for residential since we're talking about 454b uh, primarily today it does have a little cost to it but if you if but if you own a company or a or a business and you want to share it with other one everyone else the pdf you can buy 15.2 ashray 15.2 is only residential stuff. And you can go through and read it. I bought it about a month or so ago. You go through there, it's got amendments in there and different classifications like, can you use an existing line set? You know, that was a one. Now you're going to keep the line set, replace the equipment for A2Ls. It'll it'll tell you all about those. But at the end of the day, quite honestly, this is the way this is going to shake out. It's all going to be about your local codes. It's going to be your fire people, your fire codes and things like that. So not one size is going to fit all. Yeah, you're going to have, hey, we want you to do a minimum of this. But at the end of the day, it's really going to come down to your, your, you know, your jurisdiction. You know, who has control of that? Cool. Thank you, Jacob. Hey, do you want to throw a question? Yeah, so Bernie asked, what non-sparking tool is uh, suggested to puncture the A2L tanks? Well, you, you know, obviously the first one that comes to mind is like brass tools, but I don't know if that's necessarily necessary because of the spike condition, but they want you to use, it's recommended that you use a non-sparking tool. Again, uh, that, that's just the proper, if you go to AHRI's website and you look up A2Ls, uh, you'll see a little guy in a hard hat. They have a nice documentation, bulletins that brings it out. It's just a recommendation uh, from what they're, they're suggesting that you should do. Good question. Steve Lester, I know this guy. Uh, Steve is our service manager in the Carolinas here. So will there be more strict confined space restrictions for A2L when technicians are working on systems? Um, I don't have it in here. Uh, but again, it's going to go to about the, the mitigation strategies. Is there going to mm-hmm. be a work zone area where sparks and things, as far as like, let's say, recover machines like that, there's nothing. However, if you get into a large chiller or something like that, those uh, recovery machines are pretty large. Okay, and I was talking to Steven Spletzer, uh, who's our codes person on staff, very, very knowledgeable man, been around the industry a long time. And he was he was saying, but if you get into those large commercial recovery machines and you're dealing with chillers with a lot of refrigerants, you can generate a spark from those that's that will, that will cause a flame. Those have to be 20 foot outside the work zone. Okay. So you'll run a large, uh, you know, a large, more of an industrial type hose over the system and keep that over the way. The spark is going to come from the switches of anything in the area, and it's going to come from your cords. That's your thing of ignition. It's not going to come from the motors or anything like that. Okay. Go to your manufacturers and look up. It Just because you bought last year's models, and I know everybody wants to sell equipment, so do I. Okay. So tools and things like that. 
double check. You might find that last year's model, unlike new cars, they don't make recovery machines every year, all the different brands out there. Go to their websites, look at the manufacturer, find your model number and see if it's already been A2L approved. There's other programs out there with, the, I won't name names, but there's so many of them. You can bring them into the wholesaler on counter days and get a sticker put on them that have been recertified. Some of it's just changing the O-rings in them and things like that or the seals. But really mechanically inside that system, nothing's really changed. And I've talked to quite a few people off, off the record and there's not a lot of change there. It's just, but you want to use everything going forward today, rated A2L equipment, and you should have no issues in that work mm. area. Now, getting back to his questions about, you know, that area there, again, I have a chart. I don't know if it's in here or not, but it's for the mitigation strategies. It talks about the, you know, the pounds and, and, and the formula used for the square footage in that area. And, it'll, you know, when you get into the larger areas, like like even CO2, you may need ventilation in that area. But that, I'm talking about larger, larger systems with much, much uh, thing, you know, much larger uh, charge sizes, if you will. And residential, I honestly don't see that being an issue right now. But but I want to be fair about this. A lot of this stuff's new to all of us, especially like these codes that are coming out right now. You have to have someone on staff like we do. I mean, multiple people on staff just to follow the codes because they're ever changing. What I tell you today or the map I show you today is not going to be the same next week or two weeks from now. I can assure you that. So we're. <laughs> We're yeah. kind of learning like everything we do as humans as we go. They're just putting as many safety nets as they can in place to try to make sure that this is a smooth transition and uh, and Camorras wants that. That's why we have an educational department like you guys do. You're out there educating. We need to get the education out there. We're all learning with each other. I learn every day. Good stuff. Yeah, every time I do this presentation, I'm like, whatever I tell you today, make sure you check back with us in a few months. Exactly. Hayden, you got another question there for us? I think we've pretty well uh, covered it. You got it. A Sorry, all the way at the button. top. There's uh, pinned questions at the top. I don't know if we've gone through some of these. Let's see here. It's a little bit confusing, but I'll take one here. Um, Phil uh, Batterson, I read that 454B contains one or more of the PFAS chemicals. Is this the case? Uh, anything with HFO. So P, I'm not a PFAS expert, and we talk about this all the time, and, and I see this thrown all over. You see people starting to slightly back off it right now. Almost everything in that we have today has PFAS in it, okay? It's really, you know, uh, 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 what, you know, I don't really discuss PFAS. It's not really my area of expertise, but, you know, the sandwich sandwich wrappers we make today, plastics in the store, uh, plastic jugs and all stuff. So uh, I'm going to let the PFAS experts work on that because when <laughs> it comes to the refrigerant part of it, it's 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 about as minimal as you can possibly think of as far as the big picture of PFAS, okay? Uh, but I, I get where for some reason, sometimes it's driven by industries that want to make it look bad and what have you. And I totally get it. But again, I want to digress off that. I'm not a PFAS expert. Uh, I know enough to be dangerous, but um, but I, I'm not going to say it doesn't have PFAS in it because uh, almost everything in the uh, EVs, uh, computer chips, <laughs> we would shut down the world if we removed every PFAS in, in the world right now. But I totally get what you're getting at because it's a big there's a lot of information. Well, it had PFAS in it, you know, but, you know, right. so I'll let, I'll let the experts in PFAS talk about that. We do have some talking points on PFAS. If you go to Optian.com, uh, people a lot, uh, a lot smarter than I am can, can answer those questions and give you honest answers. You know, I'm going to butcher something if I talk about it. Yeah, man. Okay. Let's see. Javier Cruz. Is the HFO 1234YF a drop-in replacement for 134A? Hmm. So we've always, we've always, most everyone in the industry usually cringes when they hear the, the term drop-in, but that's what we call it, right? We drop in, we, we think. So it, it, it is like for like for 134A, but you can't take 1234YF because it's an A2L refrigerant and drop it into a 134A system. 
car or anything. It's not, you're not going to do that. Anything that was classified as A1, a legacy type refrigerant that we've used always in our whole entire life, you're not going to be able to, no matter how minor we've just talked about the flammability is, you just can't do it. The, the safety features are not there. Will anything ever happen? Who knows? But the, but you're taking a big liability chance if you do it. Inevitably, somebody's going to probably go out and put 454B mm-hmm. in a 410A unit, you know, and, and you know as well as I do. But it you cannot do it. It's not worth it. It's not worth losing your business. It's not worth losing, right. closing you down, your livelihood. It's just, it's just not, just don't do it. It's a big you know? deal. It is. Yeah. It's, it's like years ago, people would get a hold of me through my prior job and they, hey, I've had this compressor running forever and it's uh, rated for R22, but I've had uh, R290 in it. You know, the, the email might come from Europe and I've had R290 in it for almost a year. Well, the PT charter from R290 and, P- and 22 is almost identical. It doesn't make it right. You're putting 290, a highly flammable refrigerant, and R2, that thing, that doesn't have. And casing electronics and those kind of things are really key when they make those type of things. So you, you, will, it, will it work? Who knows? You know, on, on paper, it looks great. But do not do it. It's a totally different flammability uh, class, No, however uh, mild or, or, or small of a change it is. Just don't do it. Right, right. Absolutely. Okay, Travis Anderson is there a max pounds of this flammable refrigerant? Maybe, I don't know, max poundage per that you can carry in your truck. I'm not really sure. Maybe Travis could clarify that question. Not really sure. If, if it's what I'm thinking, Tony, while we're waiting for his question to clarify, why don't you sure. go down through this? Slide? I've got like a truck, a back of a truck, and it's uh, the DOT materials of trade in here that I'm going to show next week, uh, this presentation should see. Yeah, there it is. There you go. The transportation DOT under the materials. It's business as usual and same restrictions in place, 440 pounds on your truck, regardless of the hazard. Now that's not 440 pounds in one tank, obviously. And I'm not trying to be funny. Federally, there are no placards required for service vehicles. However, for transportation, there will be, you're going to have more pounds on the truck and stuff. You're going to have placards like anything else you do with SS SDS sheets and those kind of things. So, but, but it's business as usual for contractors and everyday business like we've been doing. Okay. Same thing. And uh, that we've always done. So uh, no different change there. Good question. Okay. Let's see here. Okay. So before we go to the next question, Hayden has a hard stop. He's got to get to another important meeting. Hayden, thank you so much for joining us and we appreciate your contributions And I hope that you'll come back again on the show, which we'll have very soon. So everybody say goodbye to Hayden. Thank you very much. And we'll still stick around and answer all these questions. So thank you very much, man. Appreciate you. Nice meeting you, Hayden. Thank you all. This has been wonderful. Looking forward to the next time. Thank you. Okay, so, and Don, you tell me when your hard stop is too. um, And we'll just answer some more questions here and see what happens. So with a low boiling point of A2L refrigerant, uh, does it increase the power of the compressor that increases energy consumption? Hmm. Well, no. And that goes back to that COP, uh, the, the the coefficient that we talked about earlier and looked at the capacity and everything. You're not, you're not going to, you know, there's some give mm-hmm. and takes on all of it, but very, very minimal on that stuff. So uh, it's actually was on all the charts we showed earlier of the boiling points is what he's talking about and the COP and the mass flow and all that stuff. Um, uh, so it, it it's going to be very minimal on any gotcha. of that stuff like that. And, and, and including R32 and anybody else's brand out there. I want to be sure. fair about that. So you're going to have slightly different changes, but it's still the same A2L classification as far as the flammability goes. Awesome. And some of these questions have been around since the beginning of the cast. So if we've already answered them, just let me know. That's great. So, yeah. And, yeah. They, and for those still sticking around, thanks, you know, Again, this is going to be recorded and will be on our podcast. The QR code's in the upper left, and you can email me uh, for your certificate at any point. So Miguel asks, any recommendations about the tools for A2Ls? I've gotten that question a bunch. Hi, Miguel. Miguel's a coworker of mine down in, in South Oh, great. America. I love it. Yeah, Miguel's a very knowledgeable young man. He's uh, he's wears a lot of hats down there in South America. So, yeah, gr- glad you brought it up, Miguel. appreciate you t- tuning in. Uh, again, 
can't reiterate it enough, Tony. Uh, anything moving forward today, you, you must have it A2L certified tools, whatever that looks like. The only thing that comes to mind right away that's probably not going to change as far as labeled A2L would obviously be things like scales and things like that. But all your gauges. Now, obviously, if you're using uh, compound gauges that don't have 454B on it, obviously, you're going to have to get a set of gauges, even though the PT chart's very close. Most of the blue stuff, Bluetooth stuff is done on apps, and that'll update to that refrigerant if you're using Bluetooth and those kind of things. But everything moving forward, vacuum pumps, uh, recovery machines, we want to either check with the manufacturer's website that it's okay to do that, check mm -hmm. if they they have a program where you can bring it to the wholesaler and refurb it or just when you buy something new from this point on. And by the way, even though the refrigerants is coming out now, it's in our wholesalers now that 454B is. There's quite a few wholesalers that are carrying it, even though the equipment isn't out yet. OK, these A2L tools have been around for the last two, three years now, now at least two and a half years. I know they've been on the mm -hmm. shelf, so. So just make sure you're getting, just like when we went to 410A, make sure you're able to read 410A and the R22 on your gauges, okay? That, that, that's it. But everything should be A2L certified. Good advice. Or, if you're going to buy it right now, you might as well get the rated, the correctly make rated the stuff. So. Yep. Here, here's a question I've been asked a bunch of times regarding um, working on the equipment, like the implications of replacing. Well, you can't replace 410A. I think we... This is saying, can you take out 410A and put 454B in? We, we can't do that. We already talked about that. Um, I think he's asking, why can you not do that? And I would say, because it's a different pressure. It's a different UL requirement. There's all kinds of different things going on. And then the brazing repairs. Can you talk about brazing a machine that has yeah. an A2L in it? I get that question a yeah. bunch, and I'm not sure how to Absolutely. answer that. Absolutely. So I've got a slide. I think it's right here after these slides, Tony. It would be cool if we could bring it up. It's a great yeah. visual of things that are changing and not changing. Is it this uh, here? No, it's one. It's a, some more. It, it, I made these just yesterday at the Sky Club when I was laid over. There's a there's one or two that says what's changing and not changing. So here's your, your uh, now keep going down. Uh, this is all your, your, there we go. There we go. Okay, back to the basics. Yeah. So back to the basics. This is, oh, this is, good. this is just a, this is just grabbing a few things. Okay. It doesn't cover everything, but you can see back to the basics I put at the topic and I'm sure, you know, other people have the same slide. Okay. And you can look at what a ones look like a two L's safely remove refrigerant we've always had to do that it's required with a2ls okay purge certs with inert gas and oxygen free they're not talking about purging while you're using nitrogen brazing for oxidation purposes this was best practices forever after you cut open a system you were always supposed to use nitrogen and purge any residual gas out of the system okay before before, before you started making repairs that's always been in place that now doesn't happen on every job <laughs> no comment yeah so now it's going to be required <laughs> and they're going to you know this is all going to be done i don't have this all pounded out i don't know if anybody does but i know california is probably going to be one of the first ones to implement it pressure mm -hmm. testing the systems we've always had to evacuate the circuits it's always been best practice now it's going to be required we moved down to leak and pressure test it's always been best practice i don't know anybody that doesn't do that and it would be a shame if they didn't but now it's going to be required so you're going to be documented on that you're going to document mm -hmm. that when you set an equipment that's actually going to be documented with the equipment of what those pressures were. And think about this. I know some people are going to say, hey, well, what is it, the EPA police out there? Maybe not. But here's the deal. When they get, they're going to track all this stuff. And when you document that stuff, God forbid, if something should happen a month down the road and something even minor breaks out, and let's say a, a fire marshal has to get brought in, they're going to put those pieces together. So do your do your work. Do what you've always should have been doing, and there won't be any issues, okay? But definitely emphasize, great question, by the way. Whoever asked that, I appreciate you bringing up. Purge with nitrogen after you cut the system open. And you're supposed to be doing that with A1s already. You want to remove that residual gas that's in there prior to brazing or anything like else. And then, then it's you'll be business safe. as usual. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's hit one more question here, and then we'll wrap it up. So Keith Clark is one of our service techs. Uh, yeah. At Insight Partners, will 454B be used on EXVs or just TXVs? 
EXVs also. Yeah, that's a great question. So electronic uh, uh, metering devices will also be used uh, on this. There won't be any difference in that. It'll be uh, business as usual. A lot of that refrigerant, besides the mildly flammable, a lot of the, the mechanical stuff is, from what from my knowledge, even on the compressor side, isn't going to be, there's not going to be a whole, everything you're going to, the big difference right now is everything you're going to see is going to be stamped on it. It's been rated for A2Ls. Okay. Uh, but it's really a lot of the same stuff that we've been doing our whole life, really. Like I said earlier, uh, I don't think I'm wrong. Uh, I've said this in very large groups. I personally feel I'm going to take my Camorse hat off and put my Don Gillis hat on. I really strongly feel that this transition is going to be much easier than it was with R22 and 410A. I remember leaving the shop that morning when they said, hey, on, on the old Nextels, you got to come in tomorrow. We're going to get trained on this new refrigerant that's going to change the world. And they call it, uh, what they call it anywhere? Puron. Carrier named it Puron. Okay. And, and, and so we went there the next morning. We took the test. They showed us a little video. We took the test. We walked out that morning and everybody was loading their truck and i remember it like it was yesterday like i'm not putting that crap in my truck did you see those pressures you know so it, we're all over, over that hurdle okay so uh just just uh do the right thing and, and you're going to be fine okay if you're already used to good practices you're not going to have an issue all right uh one a couple plugs for the uh for the camores people and opian.com team you want to we got a lot of free literature we don't charge anything for if you don't mind tony for opian.com also we are we are real close to having a uh, and there's a lot of good resources. We're not the only game in town for education, but we're all, real close to completing our landing page for education. So whether that by, be by webinars or, or Teams meetings and those kind of things, or in-person training, those kind of things. But more, more importantly, go get your data sheets from there. Get the facts, all the video that Tony just showed. You can get the link on there and show. It is gated. You'll have to fill out, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Bill from, from Oregon, and I'd like to see this, and they'll allow you in to see that video yourself okay give me that uh, link give me that uh url again optium uh yeah optium.com it will take you to all kinds of things not just a2l refrigerants and optium by the way is the new word for freon uh, when you see optium on the boxes again that's our brand uh we own the rights simply simply because Comores came up uh, you know that spun off from dupont in 2015 Freon was a trademark name for all refrigerants. It wasn't just one refrigerant, right? We all know that. Option is a brand name. Option, instead of Freon, it's not going to be called Option. And it's just uh, the new refrigerants that are coming out that are low GWP. It doesn't necessarily mean it's an A2L refrigerant. It'll just be a lower GWP. Because there are A1 refrigerants out there that will have Option on it. And those are retro refrigerants. So they're lower GWP to change out things like 404A to get that GWP down, things like R449, R448, those are lower GWP refrigerants. Correct. Excellent. Yeah, and I'll speak to that. So they have tons of resources. Option.com, I believe that's correct. I put it on the screen there. Also, email me for your certificate and I'll include anything you want me to include specifically for PDFs, Don, just send them to me and I'll include it yeah. um, to the folks who email me. And I'll also email you this email address and also the links to watch this show. So I think this is a great note to end it on. And thank you so much, Don. If you could hang out for a few minutes, I'll play the outro here and we'll let people kind of um, leave us. And thank you so much for watching. We totally appreciate everyone who comes here and watches these shows. It's amazing. And Don, you were a great guest. I hope you'll come back and, uh, and help us keep, uh, keep on track with all this stuff. So. Thank you, Tony, for so much. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Thank you, Don. Thank you.